Good morning. And when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching, for he was teaching to them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. So I am not any of the boys on the presentation on your news and notes this morning, but I'm here to give a quick little intro to our week at Bandina. Our theme was astonished. If you're taking notes today at the top of your page, please write astonished. We were mostly focused on the parables of Jesus, because when Jesus taught, about a quarter of the time he taught in parables, something that he could relate to the people of that day. And the parables we talked about were the parable of the sower, found in Matthew 13, Mark 4, and Luke 8, the parable of the lost son in Luke 15, uh, the parable of the rich fool in Luke 12, the parable of the unforgiving servant in Matthew 18, the parable of the talents in Matthew 25. And so that was the morning lesson. In an afternoon, we would come together for Bible class again, and we'd cover some attribute or character trait that would be centered around or focused with that parable. So for the parable of the sower, an important attribute or characteristic that we all need more of, get better at, mostly myself, listening. In the parable of the lost son, we talked about honor. The parable of the rich fool, generosity. For the parable of the unforgiving servant, sympathy. And for the parable of the talents, this one's a tough one, excuses and accountability. So I will tell you, it was warm, it was hot, but even though that the Medina River was not flowing very well, the word of God was flowing down that hill and out via the hearts of all the campers as they left yesterday and out into the world. And this morning, we're going to start from Mr. Jacob. Jacob Smith, thank you. What a blessing it was as a youth to attend Camp Bandina. Every year when you go to camp, you enter as one person, and after a week of hearing God's word, you leave that river changed as a different person. By listening to the truths of God's word, everyone can be changed. As Mr. Gibson said this year, the camp theme was astonished. As he read in Luke 4.32, when Jesus taught, people were astonished. Unlike the rabbis of his day, Jesus spoke under his own authority, not merely the opinions of himself, as his word is inspired by God. Throughout this week, we saw that after everything Jesus did, his miracles, his teachings, his parables, people were astonished and amazed because there had never been anyone like Jesus before. At the start of the week, Brother John Baker taught a lesson. He told us that with each lesson we would have over the week, to take away one thing and to use that one thing in our lives, to remember it and to apply it. So I'm going to be going over three of the things that I learned, and I hope that you'll be able to learn from them as well. Before I start, I'm going to say this. At camp, we learned so many things. We had Bible class twice a day. We had morning and evening devotionals. We had worship at night, and we sang twice a day. So it was hard to choose three things. But here's my first one. You are not judged by what you do not do, but by what you do do. When we look at the parable of the talents in Matthew chapter 25, we see a man who was entrusted with just one talent. But this man was afraid of his master. 
So he hid what had been given to him in the ground. And he did not use his master's money. What we do learn is that he did not do anything wrong with the money. He didn't use it in vain, waste it. He didn't make anything vain with the money. He didn't use it inappropriately. But he was not judged on what he did not do, but by what he did do. And to be clear, what he did do was nothing. So what do we learn from, what do we learn from this wicked and slothful servant? Well, we learn that while it's important not to steal, not to use the Lord's name in vain, not to covet, things of this nature, it's even as more important as Christians that we do something by devoting ourselves to serving others, and most importantly, heeding to Jesus' great commission by evangelizing to lost souls everywhere, and by using the gifts God has given us to do something rather than just not doing certain sins. So we, like the other two servants, may produce twofold and hear our Lord and Savior say, well done, good and faithful servant. Number two, we are spiritual beings on an earthly journey, not earthly beings on a spiritual journey. I repeat that. Spiritual beings on an earthly journey, not earthly beings on a spiritual journey. When we look at the parable of the rich fool in Luke chapter 12, we see a man who seeks out Jesus with his own earthly gain in mind. He says this to Jesus in verse 13, teacher, Tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus responds by telling a parable. In this parable, there is a rich man, and he has built up his crops and his riches on earth to the point of needing a new barn, and he tells himself this in verse 19. Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But we know that as written in Proverbs chapter 23, verses 4 and 5, do not toil to acquire wealth. Be discerning enough to desist. When your eyes light on it, it is gone, for suddenly it sprouts wings, flying like an eagle towards the heavens. When we die, we will all know that the things of this life are just fleeting. If we do not realize that now, we cannot be rich towards, if we do not realize that we cannot be rich towards God and man at the same time, we will end up like the rich fool. God said this to the rich fool, fool, this night your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? We must live with the heavenly treasure in mind because we know that this heavenly treasure is treasure that neither moth nor rust will destroy, nor thieves break in and steal. And we know that where our treasure is, there our heart will be also. We must live knowing that we are not earthly beings, but spiritual beings here on earth to perform God's duties and live by the teachings in Colossians 3, verse 17. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of Christ Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Number three, we have been crucified with Christ. On Wednesday night, Brother Andy Baker taught over the familiar passage of Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. And I remember as a kid in Bible hour, we sang this song, and we memorized this verse in our hearts. And at the time, we may not have known exactly what it means, what it meant, but it was powerful to dive back into the words, I have been crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, not yet I but Christ liveth in me, and the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. In this lesson, Mr. Baker showed that through death, burial, and resurrection of baptism, we go through a literal death with Christ. And just like Christ, we will have scars on our wrist, on our side, and on our head. And these scars should be visible and apparent to all that we come in contact with. And they'll be apparent through, as written in Exodus chapter 2, verse 26, I am mine no more. 2,000 years ago, Jesus' ministry astonished all that heard it. But 2,000 years later, his ministry should still astonish. 
as the members of the church are different from the rest of the world. People must see us and be astonished by the self-control that we show, be astonished by the fact that we do not conform to the patterns of this world, as shown in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. And we should ensure that we do not keep our scars hidden, but we show them for all to see, so we can spread Jesus' word to all we come in contact with and let everyone know about it. I'm thankful for these lessons we learned at camp, the opportunity to make Christian friends, to hear from Christian people, and to feel better in our faiths and encouraged to do Jesus' words. And <clears throat> I hope that these lessons we learned may also affect your life as much as they affect the people at camp. Thank you. Camp Bandina really is the highlight of, a year for, of the year for us uh, youth. Bandina is a place, though it has sweltering heat and insects galore that, and other things, it is a place that is most of all built on God, and it is one of the most places, godly places I've ever been, with, been in. I'm just filled with the Spirit. Banding in the place has, is like a normal summer camp. It has all the sports arenas. Uh, it has a river. It, importantly, it has a mess, mess hall, which serves seasoned roles, a delicacy most of us campers love. But more important than banding in the place is banding in the people. I am astonished at the people who I call the legacies, those families that have for generations, been at camp, serving the Lord and continuing the ministry on. It's just very incredible to see. Then there's the counselors, some of which are a little bit younger who are more relatable to you. They understand your struggles and you can sort of relate to them. Then there are those older counselors who are elderly, who have a certain wisdom that we can all respect. And then there are the campers. I'd like to say that 90% of the campers genuinely want to be there. And by the end of the week, the 10% who didn't are firm, true believers in Bandina. So from my lesson, I will give a personal story. I will give a class lesson, a lesson I received in Bible class that stood out for me. And I will talk about uh, one of the sermons given at worship at one of the nightly worships. First off are the Christian friends you meet at Camp Bandina. These are friends that God would like you to have. Um, these are the friends you will have for a long time, and you will continue to write letters to when you're off to college. These are the type of people you would invite to your weddings. These are the people who, most importantly, will have your back when you stumble. They truly will care about you. At the beginning of the week, uh, there was a kid who was, uh, well, we're divided into teams for sports. And there was a kid who was silent for the first day, and he was also in my cabin. And the second day, he was silent as well, but he kept following me and uh, my friends. So I decided, you know what, I think he thinks uh, we are his friends, so I'm going to make him a friend. By the end of the week, I can say he is one of my best friends now, and he was just greatly touched, and he couldn't stop talking with us, so I'm glad I was able to make him feel at home. That being said, at Bandina, 
With people you only see once a year, you can become brothers in a week. There's just a great sense of camaraderie between us that only the brotherhood of Christ can be a foundation of. My class was uh, taught by uh, three people, Kevin Kane, a man named Todd, and Jeremy Gibson from this church. And uh, one of Mr. Kane's lesson was about the parable of uh, the unforgiving servant. Now, if you would like to turn to the passage, it is in Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 through 35. So, essentially to set the stage, Jesus is talking with his apostles, and Peter brings up uh, how many times you should forgive uh, someone. And uh, Jesus, of course, answers, not, up to, not seven times, but 70 times seven, which is very memorable. And then he begins the parable with, a, with a, a lord whose servant owes, whose servant owes um, a whole lot of money. Now, one talent, we decided that one talent is equal to 6,000 denarii. And this slave uh, owed a great deal of money, which we decided came out to one billion four hundred forty million dollars in today's money, times ten thousand, which equals fourteen billion dollars, which the slave could certainly not pay off. However, the master was merciful and, and forgave him the debt entirely. However, this same slave had another person who owed him him money. And that slave only owed what is equivalent to $24,000 we did with math. Yet, when he go, went to the one who was owing him, as it says in verse 28, but the slave went out and found one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred denarii, and he seized him and began to choke him, saying, Pay back what you owe. He was forgiven an unsurmountable debt, but one who owed a debt that could very well be paid, he matched with hate and anger. And with that response, the master summoned him, saying, You wicked slave, I forgave you all that you debt because you pleaded with me. You should not also have mercy on your fellow slave in the same way I had mercy on you. And his Lord, moved with anger, handed him over to the tortures until he could repay all that was owed to him. In the same way, Jesus paid a debt that we can never repay. And by his mercy, we have the chance at salvation through that debt. So I say, in all small things, we must be forgiving, for Jesus forgives us of a great thing. On Thursday night, Eddie Parrish gave a sermon, and it was my personal favorite. And when thinking of all the things that astonished him about Jesus, he whittled it down to just two. One, that Jesus stands beside us in prayer and on Judgment Day. He used Hebrews 7, verse 25 to illustrate this. That verse... Sorry, I have to turn to it. That verse says, Therefore, he is also able to save forever those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. Eddie Parrish was astonished through imagery that Jesus 
it stands in between us and God every time we pray and that he is always our advocate. But second, and this, in my opinion, is the most powerful, that Jesus can use sinners like you and I for his glorious purpose. The Apostle Paul is the greatest example of this. The Apostle Paul was once Saul of Tarsus. Saul of Tarsus was a horrible man who violently persecuted the church. And in Paul's own epistles, he reflects on this, such as in 1 Timothy 1.13, which he says, Even though I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and a violent aggressor, yet I was shown mercy because I acted ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of God our Lord was more abundant with the faith and love which are found in Christ Jesus. Paul recognized what a horrible person he had been, yet he also recognized the grace of God and what was given to him. So if you could take anything away, if, Paul, if Saul of Tarsus was able to repent and do great works for God's church, anything we can do, anything we've done is not enough to separate us from acting in God's own glorious purpose and his will for us. Thank you. Leo. Good morning, everyone. So my name is Leo Johnson, for those of you who don't know me. And let's see, where shall I start? <laughs> so on, on one of the nights, I don't remember, but Mr. Andy Baker, the preacher at Graber Road Church of Christ, did a lesson on something. But what really struck me in the lesson was a quote that he gave, and it says, he is no fool to give up what he can keep for what he can't lose. And so I thought that corresponded rather well with Matthew 10, verse 39, if you would turn there. And so it says, whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Now there was one class that we had, one Bible class, uh, and Mr. Montana from the, I believe, Ola Church of Christ or something, he, we were talking about, uh, it was either the talents or the other thing that's like the talents. And so he had us get three ping pong balls each, and we would write on them our most valuable possessions to us. This could be either monetary value or sentimental, whichever you felt like. And then he was like, so now I'm going to pick out of all of these things, I'm going to pick like three of the cups that had the ping pong balls in them. So he read off one of them, which belonged to Emmy uh, Ratcliffe, and one of her things was jewelry. And so he was like, so would you give this up if God was going to use it for his glory? And she was like, okay, and gave him all of her jewelry. And then another girl, she had written down that she also had jewelry. She handmade all of her jewelry. Unfortunately, it was on her sister. So we took all of her jewelry off of her sister and gave it to Mr. Montana. And then another guy said that his most valuable possessions was books. And so he didn't have any books with him except his Bible. So Mr. Montana accepted that Bible 
And he went on with the lesson. So later in that afternoon, he was like, so do you remember how we, get, we took all of your possessions earlier? Uh, he asked Emmy, did you think that you would get this back? And she was like, yes, I did. And then she asked the girl who had handmade the jewelry, and she thought that she was just giving it away for good. She was completely trusting that it would be used for God's glory and that she did not need it anymore. So this was actually, I think it was on the lesson of the rich young fool, which is in Luke chapter 12, verses 13 through 21. And so he always has us paint a picture in class. He's like, tell me what the scene of this story is. So uh, we were like, there's, there's this guy, and he asks Jesus to tell his brother to divide the inheritance from his parents with him. And then uh, a few things happen, and Jesus goes on to tell the parable of the rich man who had a lot of grain. He had been very plentiful that year in his grain. And so he was like, so I'm going to build all these giant barns to hold all my grain. And I, I grew this grain with all of my great wealth and all this. And so once I have all this grain stored, I'm going to say to my soul, soul, you have a lot of goods to be laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be married. Mary. <laughs> but God said to him, Fool, this night your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. So one thing that we noticed when we were reading through this parable is that the man only talked about himself. He used the words me, I, my, and mine a lot of times when he was talking. He did not mention God at all the entire time. And so the thing that we learned from that was we're supposed to give God everything because uh, anything that we have is being borrowed from God because he gave us everything that we own. And he doesn't just want what we have in money, he also wants our generosity, he wants our talents, and he wants us to give our bodies as a living sacrifice. So we should do everything for his glory. And I have written here Daniel 3, verse 16 and 18. I can't currently remember what that's for, but I'll find out. So Daniel 3, verses 16 through 18. Okay, here's what it was. Mr. Montana had us paint another picture for an example he was using. This is when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were in this giant group of thousands of people uh, before King Nebuchadnezzar. He had built a 90-foot tall statue of solid gold, and he had everyone gather around it, and when all the music would play, they would all have to bow down, otherwise they'd get thrown into a fiery furnace. And so what happened was only those three Hebrews did not bow down. So Nebuchadnezzar came up to specifically them. He just came up to them. He was like, okay, so if, if you're ready, when, when you hear 
when you hear the music, I'll give you a second chance. You can, you can do this, and I, I'm not going to do anything. If anyone else had done it, I would have killed them immediately. But since y'all are such good men and friends of Daniel, I'll, I'll give you a second chance. Just do it. And so then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, picking up in verse 16, they said, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if, even if he doesn't, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. So the point that he, he was having us, Mr. Montana was having us tell him what we thought astonished him the most out of different stories. So for this one, the thing that astonished him the most was that they didn't just straight up say, no, we're not going to do it. They said, we won't do it, but we have faith that God will save us. And even if he doesn't, we're still not going to do it because God is the most important thing in our lives and he controls whether or not we will have eternal life with him. And so back to the rich young ruler. When he was thinking about all the stuff he was going to do, he was only thinking about his life on earth. He was making his life on earth very good and successful, and he didn't think, I should give some of this to God's glory, or even just say, God has given me some of this. So his flaw wasn't being wealthy. It was not acknowledging God as the one from whom the wealth came. So that's what we got out of the stories there, was that we're supposed to give all of our life. We're supposed to give our possessions, our talents, our time, and our lives as a gift to the glory of God and to acknowledge him as the creator of everything and he gave us everything that we have and everything that we love. And that is all. Good morning. For those of you who do not know me, my name is Grayson Sandifer, and I'm a senior, and this is my last year at Camp Bandina. And throughout the years, I've learned a lot, met a lot of good people and friends that I will have with me throughout the rest of my life. Uh, I'm just going to say a, through a few points that were in the lessons that I took away with me and that meant a lot to me. Uh, first is that Jesus taught with authority which you can find in Jesus, uh, Matthew seven twenty-eight and 29, where it says, And when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teachings, for he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as the scribes. This is basically saying that Jesus didn't teach from words that were written, written before him. He taught as if he wrote the words and he made the law. One of the parables that we went through was the parable of the sower in Matthew 13, verse 3 through 9, which is, And he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path. And the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell along rocky ground, 
where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who hears, who, he who has ears, let him hear. A lot of people at camp, I feel like, uh, are on the rocky soil, and they don't have very deep roots. While they're at camp, they really enjoy it, and they feel a lot closer to God. But once they leave camp and go back into the world, and times get hard, they fall away from God and go back to their earthly desires. Or you may have thorns, which are pressuring you to leave God. But we need to be in the good soil. And no matter what soil you, you are in, you can leave that if you spend time with God, as in Galatians 2.20 says. If I can find it. Not that one. Uh. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, whatever. It's like, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. So if you draw near to God, he will help you. He will move you to the correct soil so that you can follow him and be with him. Another point that I got out of one of the lessons is, uh, why would you give up what you cannot keep for something that you cannot lose? Why would you give up your eternal life to live a life on earth, which you, you may not be living for God, but you may enjoy it more in that time? Why would you want more earthly possessions when you know that you will lose them eventually, when if you live for God, you will have eternal life with him forever? Don't make a bad trade for a lie. Don't, don't keep your earthly possessions. Don't be like the rich fool and store it up when you know that one day you will lose them. And also, Jesus can use everyone if you follow him and do as he taught. No matter where you are in your walk with God, if you need prayers uh, for help to get to the right soil, if you are ready now to walk with Jesus and be baptized, or if you need encouragement, for you know you've not been living the way you need to be. Please come forward as we stand and we sing.